0: Wednesday night we started in Philippians and we started the second section uh, that Paul is writing to the church of Philippi in dealing with our service to the Lord but serving the Lord with joy and, and that's what chapter 2 is all about and mainly uh, it's focused on two major aspects in light of serving with joy. The, uh, last week we looked at Um, we're serving with joy in humility, and secondly, with unity. And and the idea was pretty simple. We humbled ourselves as the body of Christ, and as we humble ourselves, um, there's going to bring about unity in the church, in the body of Christ. And that unity... It's seen in our service to one another, uh, with the world around us, right? They're gonna, it's gonna be obvious, uh, what we, who we are. And, and, uh, and I look at Jesus, you know, he humbled himself. He humbled himself to the cross. He humbled himself and, and he submitted his will to the Father's will. You guys remember Jesus in the Garden of the Gethsemane? Um, he was sweating drops of blood, and he went three times in prayer, and he was, uh, you know, Lord, if, if you can take this, you know, if, if there be any other way, you know, let it be, but not, 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 nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. And, and, uh, they're, therefore submitting his will to the Father's will. And, and we, we, we saw on Wednesday that he didn't just go to the cross, but he went to the cross with joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Paul gives us three more examples in serving with joy. In chapter 2, verse 12 through 18, we see the Philippians are that, the next example. Secondly, we see in verses 19 to 24, Timothy is that example. And then in verses 25 to 30, Epaphroditus is going to be that example. We're going to look at the, the church of Philippi today and, and, uh, In fact, let's just read it one more time, and then we'll go back over it. Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless Children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, Paul says. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. For the, for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. So we're looking at what it means to have joy in serving and looking at the church of Philippi. Now in verse 12, notice Paul starts off by saying, therefore, right? Meaning the result or the byproduct of the previous section. And uh, In other words, the results or the byproduct of the unity of and and the humility, I guess you can see as well, in verses 1 through 11 that we went over as well. So I think it's actually illustrated in verse 15. Look at verse 15, and we'll go back and we'll, we'll see it all. But it says that you may become blameless and harmless... Children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you also shine as lights in the world. And and so, here's the picture: when we have unity in the church corporately, and humility in in our hearts personally, um, we're going to shine as lights in this world. uh, Practically, so there will be a tangible, tangible byproduct of humility. As we serve the Lord joyfully. So that is you and I as lights in this world, right? We're shining as lights in this world. We're shining in Christ Jesus because, uh, was it Colossians 1.27? It's Christ, it's in us, the hope of glory. So there's six areas in the lives of the Church of Philippi. And today we're just going to look at three. So we'll keep it, keep it simple for everybody today, right? As an example for you and I and answering really the question of what does it mean you know, to, to serve the Lord with joy, to be serving with joy. So, number one, in their obedience, this is what I noticed. Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, Paul says, but now much more in my absence. Uh, and, and notice, have you guys ever seen the guy? at work, that's just lazy, and then the boss comes around, and all of a sudden they're all, okay, alright, yeah, I was working on this, and all that, you know, and they get all busy, and they're, they're doing their work when the boss is there, and the boss is like, oh, I gotta go to the store and pick something up, and then they're like, ah, oh, yeah, right? Um, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I've seen it all my life, every job that I've had, I'm like, oh, what is wrong with you guys, lazy people, but, our, our obedience cannot be as believers. We can't. Our, our obedience can't be based on people. It needs to be based on the presence of God. So the question is, where? Why were the Philippians so obedient, even in Paul's absence? It's because that. God knew, and God knows everything. He sees all things. He's there with them. They're not working on the Paul. They're working on to the Lord. And as believers, that ought to be the same thing in our case, right? That we ought to be working on to the Lord, not, oh, I only get paid this much, so why should I do that much? Oh, come on. Seriously? Are you faithful with what you have in the little, you know? Anyways, Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are on in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So we're not fooling God with what we do. When you're alone, when you go camping, when you go to a hotel, when you go you know somewhere else and your family's not around, your accountability's not there, you're not fooling God. God sees all... You could fool man, right? You could fool your family, you could fool those around you, but you're not fooling the Lord God sees all things; He knows all things, and He's watching. And and uh, in Hebrews four thirteen, it says, "And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to Him, or I'm sorry, to the, uh, to, the uh, to the eyes of Him to whom we must give accounts." So the Phil- the Philippians didn't need Paul around to be obedient. Uh, and it's the same thing. Like you guys, I think most of you guys knew that Pastor Dwight wasn't going to be here, and yet you guys still came for the Word of God. And, and I was just reminded when I was reading this, and I was like, "How cool is that?" You know, it's the same thing where we we, we serve the Lord, and it's not about our our employer when we go to work. It's about Jesus. Why do we work? We want to live this life seriously just to go to work and go back home and, you know, make, have a family and that's what life's all about? I don't think so. Life's all about Jesus and it's what His will is in our lives and in this world. It's gonna be done as it is in heaven here on earth as well. The question is whether you're in on it or not, right? So are you going to work to give out Jesus? If you are, you're above and beyond and they're gonna see that. They're gonna be, they're gonna look at you strangely and be like, why do you do that? What's wrong with you? Why, why are you always going above and beyond? I mean, you will get paid the same thing we get paid and, and it, now, boom opportunity to share the gospel right because I'm doing it for Jesus what does that mean right well let me tell you right so it's it's a good thing um, we also see their obedience was not based on their personal power notice in verse 12 therefore my beloved uh, as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so our problem is we try to obey God in our own flesh, in our own ways, in our own will. And and we might start off pretty good, but then we fail, right? Because we're trying to do it in our own power. We're we're trying to do it in our own strength. We need help (laughs) as believers in Christ. But but here's the good news. God has given us the resources that we need to enable us, to empower us, uh, to do what he's called us to do, right? And, And that we can be obedient to the things he's called us to do as well. So our obedience is based on the grace of God. Are you sure? What do you mean the grace of God? Obeying God is not hard, right? It's it's a uh, or tough. It's impossible. We cannot obey God in and of our own flesh. It's, it's, uh, we have to do it through the Spirit. We have to have the Lord in us, right? In order for Him to perform those things. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 5, through Him we have received grace and apostleship for what? Obedience to the faith among all the nations for His name, among whom also you are the called of Jesus Christ. So God's grace is the power Therefore, right, the resource that you and I need to be able to be obedient to the will of God for our lives, God has enabled you with his grace so that now you can actually be obedient, not out of your own strength in your flesh, but out of his spirit, out of his gift. Of grace. And that is important, uh, and that's why in this verse it becomes so significant because it's tied in with our humility and our unity as the body of Christ. Why? Because in the previous section, that's what he's talking about, right? And, and Jesus Christ did just that as our example. Paul used Jesus as that example that he humbled himself. Uh, you know taking on the form of flesh the form of man came and lived among us and dwelt among us and and uh, we beheld his glory the glory of the only father we 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 saw who god was and what did we do as the world we beat him we we mocked him we spit on him we took him to the cross we we left him hanging right that's you in and of your own flesh that's your work to the lord but yet his work was demonstrated—the greatest demonstration this world has ever seen. Romans eight twenty-eight, right? What is—is his love? His love was demonstrated for you and I there at the cross, that we might enter into a personal relationship with him, and that's what it was all about. Um, and and so, First Peter, by the way, humility. It's very important because 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 5, James chapter 4, verse 6 says basically the same thing. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the, the humble. Interesting. And as we humble ourselves in... He gives us his glorious grace. And for what? To enable us, to empower us, to be obedient to his commands, to the things that he's called us to do. Did you know if you're a believer in Christ, you've been called to ministry, you're in ministry. And and God has equipped you. Enough grace to to you know do what he 's called you to do, the Church of Thessalonica they only had three weeks in the Lord, and they knew like Pastor Dwight was talking about you know he's talk, they knew some of the end time stuff they knew a lot of things that were happening, and in three weeks, I mean there was already an establishment there of getting in the Word and starting starting out in ministry it was so cool. Um, secondly, uh, it involves their salvation. Notice in verse twelve in the middle. Uh, it says... Uh, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with, what, fear and trembling. So the Church of Philippi were an example to us in joy and serving uh, through their salvation. That word work right here, it means to accomplish, to complete, to achieve, uh, to bring to completion. So it, it's a, it's in the imperative, by the way. So in other words, it's a command, right, that we're given. It's so weird to, we're commanding commanded to perform or accomplish salvation. Interesting. Uh, The word salvation is deliverance, safety, being delivered. Uh, Now, we all understand that one word can carry various uh, meanings, right? A variety of meanings. And, And the definition of a word is determined by the context in which it's given. So, for instance, if I were to say... Uh, sharp, what do you think of? Well, you know, maybe a knife, you know, it's pretty sharp. But I'm thinking about, you know, how dressed some of you guys are. You guys are dressed pretty sharp. Hey, look at that, right? Thank you. But no, 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 I'm thinking of a sharp mind. I look at my wife. She's got a sharp mind. She's always correcting me. She knows She knows a lot. But she's got a sharp mind. But no, 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 that's not what I'm thinking of. Actually, I'm thinking of cheese because I'm kind of getting hungry now, right? Sharp Right, So you guys get the idea that word sharp. So sharp can have a lot of different meanings depending on the context by which it's used. So the question is, what definition is Paul using here uh, for the word salvation? There's three views that scholars use, the majority views uh, that scholars have uh, today, and I'll give you those three views. The first view is, uh, which by the way I think is the incorrect view, but Paul's speaking of eternal life, eternal life. Um, they, they say you have to do something in order to earn your salvation. Uh, you have to work for your own salvation, just like a business. Hey, you want to get to the top, you got to work your way up there to the top. Heaven's at the top, so you got to work to the top. And that's kind of the idea there. So except the Bible doesn't say work for your own salvation, does it? No, it doesn't say that. It says work out your own salvation. So there's a lot of cults a lot of isms out there uh, who ha- they hold to this ideology here, where you know they say if you want to get to heaven, then you know you you got to knock on this much doors, you got to pass out this much tracks, you got to you know rub this much beads, you got to say this much prayers, you gotta you you get the idea, right? You got to give this much money. Uh, that is, if you're rich only, right? They want to. That's what the world's all about. It's just, it's silly. It's it's a works-based religion. And Christianity is set apart from every other religion in the world because it's God reaching down to man, not man reaching to God. God came down in the flesh, right? Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh. And he gave himself for us at the cross that we might have eternal life. Not that we have to give... Um, you know, go to the cross and we have to do something to perform for God. He performed for us. And and uh, so it's a whole nother perspective. Anyways, let's get back to what they believe. So there's a lot of groups, you know, that say a lot of stuff that you have to earn your way to salvation um, and all that. The truth is, we cannot save ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 What does it say? It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Oh, wah, wah, wah. There it is. It's the gift of God. Not of works. No, 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 no. Lest anyone should boast. What does that mean? Well, if it was by works, guess how much doors I knocked on? Guess how much things I... I'm a good person. I gave this much money. I rubbed this much beads. I said this much prayers. And what happened? Now I'm in heaven. How'd you get to heaven? Well, let me tell you how I got to heaven, right? The spotlight's on you, but what's, in reality, what's going to happen? When we get to heaven, it's all about Jesus, and where's the spotlight? On you? No, the spotlight's on Christ Jesus for what he did. We're on our face, man. We're, we're like, boof, right? We're, we're, we're in awe that he had that much grace to allow you and I To be in his presence. You might think yourself something, but really we're nothing, right? We're nothing. We don't deserve to be in his, in his presence. That's what grace is. You can't, you can't get that grace unless you realize that. Unless you humble yourself and be like, Lord, I can't. Then he's like, oh, I, but I can, and here I come, right? But if you're like, Lord, I can, then he's, he'll be like, I'll wait, (laughs) you know? He can't do work with you because you're too hard hearted. Your heart is just hardened, thinking that you can do something where God's like, Oh, congratulations. No, God's not going to do that. Come on, guys. Um, anyways, Romans 3 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Titus chapter 3 verse 7, it says that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Friends, the only way that we can get to heaven is by, is through the finished work of Christ Jesus upon the cross. Right? So obviously I, I think this first view is a little right it's, I reject it completely, and, and it's through Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, so we're only saved by grace, not of our own deeds, not of our own efforts, not of our own works um, and, and you know we're, we don't go to church just because you go to church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian, right now, I've been to church all my life, now, of course I'm going to heaven. what <laughs> Why are you going to heaven? Well, I go to church. Oh uh, my dad's a pastor oh uh, I read the Bible every day. What's right, if you guys you guys hear those excuses, I hear it all the time, I'm like, what about Jesus right he's, he's the target, he's the aim, it's the cross, right, uh but we're saved by grace alone by faith alone. we just learned in ephesians two eight and nine so uh the second view is they say it's temporal life, the temporal life, that that we need to work out our own salvation, meaning we need to exercise our salvation. We need to put it into practice, like, like going to the gym, in a sense. So I, I understand James chapter 2, verse 20, that says, you know, um, faith without works is dead, right? Um, but if you're truly saved, there should be an outward manifestation of of it. So yes, I agree you should exercise your salvation physically so others understand that we're truly saved. Obviously, we got to, you know, put it into effect, but in a sense, really, it's Christ in you who's doing that anyway. So it's a natural thing, a natural byproduct of what God's going to do in your life as you give your life to the Lord, because what's in us is filthiness, it's ugly, it's evil, and it's bad, and only bad could come out and be produced through us. But if Christ is in us and he's good, then now good can be coming out of us in, in that same sense. So, um, understand, you know, we're, we're saved because of Christ, but I, I don't think that's what Paul's saying either here in the context. And I think the third view, it's unity in life and probably the correct view. If you pour Humility and unity in the meaning of salvation, you realize another view completely, because we're using the context. Context is everything. Um, by the way, those pronouns at the end of, are, they're plural. They're not singular. So, Paul is not talking about you and I, but the church corporately. So not us individually. Um, and he's saying to the whole church to work out this whole idea of unity and humility in the body of christ corporately that we will be shining lights in this dark generation and, and we'll have joy in serving the lord and serving one another so in the context i believe he's speaking of the unity and humility in verses 1 through 11 in dealing with salvation so god is telling us that we have choices to make in the matter we have a choice to bring dissension or unity. We have a choice to, you know, bring pride, arrogancy and, uh, or humility and submission to God's will. So thus we need to work out our own salvation in humility, right? And, and in unity because we have, we have choices to make. So notice how we're to do this. It's through fear and trembling at the end of verse 12 and 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 not that you are afraid of god but rather you're in awe of god it's that deep reverential fear before the presence i mean guys this is god almighty i mean the creator of the universe this is the universe that we see and we know and this is you know god is beyond that and yet We stand in the presence of God, there ought to be some trembling, right? There ought to be some reverent, reverential fear there before God. And that's one thing uh, a lot of churches don't talk about anymore is the fear of God. And that's something that we got to remind ourselves because from Genesis to Revelation, even in Revelation, it's talking about the fear of God. You guys are, uh, Bereans. Study the word "fear of God." Look up the the terms "fear of God" and read the reference to every single verse that mentions the fear of God, and you'll be shocked. By the time you're done with Genesis, you'll be like, "Whoa, that was a whole lot of times, right?" Exodus, oh man, right? You go all the way to Revelation, you're going to be shocked at the the how much God has been. Trying to encourage our hearts about the fear of Him, and and uh, so really it's it's submission to God, it's humbling ourselves before the Lord. We're to work out our own salvation with this reverential fear and trembling. And why do we do this? Because we're we'll be shining like lights in this world, in this dark dark world. Um, <clears throat> so third, let's go to the third matter here. It involves the, their reliance. Their reliance was totally uh, in God. It was it was all in the Lord. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you. Talk about relying on God. They were relying 100% on God um, uh, in them and through them, right? Um, and an interesting word, by the way, when it talks about the word works in you, works in you. That word works in the Greek is, well, in our English, we would say energy. It's used 21 times in the New Testament. It's a word we speak of energy. It speaks of power, strength, might. And according to verse 13, God empowers us. He energizes us for two things. Number one, to will, to will. Now, the will speaks of desire, it speaks of our wants, it speaks of our wishes. The problem is, and our, our natural tendency is, you know, uh, that we want and desire self. It, it, it's a selfishness within us, and, and that's the natural person, is you know, it's our 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 will is always about ourselves. We live in a narcissistic society where it's all about me, myself, and I, right? Everybody passes by a mirror and they're like, "Oh, look, it's a mirror! Wow, not not a mirror safari from Israel, but a mirror." You guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? But all right. Uh, but, but it's, it's God who will empower us, right? And He will energize us to bring us around where, where, uh, our desire is to submit to His will. It's, it's our desire now to, to humble ourselves and we desire to, uh, whatever His will is in our lives and His wants. So this is an important issue because submitting to God and what he wants and what he desires um it, it's it's just it, it's amazing in how it's done that's what jesus did before, before right at the the, uh, the garden when he was sweating he gave over his will his wants his desires to the father submitting himself to the father being our example of that right and how we should be so i think it's a it's an important thing that we give up in in uh in who we are and realize um Oh, you know what? Realize there's, there's nothing wrong with the plan. There's nothing wrong with, you know, writing down a list of pros and cons and, and, and about things in the future, about life and, and whatnot. Um, you know, but, it, but it's always good to take a step back and say, okay, God, here's my plans. Here's what I want to do. But what do you want to do? How many times do we do that? that? That means a lot to the Lord. The problem is we, we come up with a great plan and we say, okay, God, now bless it. Right? Okay, God, here, here it is. I did all the work for you, so here you go. I just made it easy for you. I know you're busy up there. You know, you're doing a lot of stuff. So, so here you go. Just stamp the approval. You know, stand behind me on it. Um, and, and although we don't, we don't really say those things, but really, uh. We live our lives in light of that, in a sense, and and it's a sad thing. We have a tendency of putting it together for God, and we got to be watchful and recognize there's that reverential fear again. Recognize who God is. Back off. Before you start praying, recognize who you're talking to, right? Right? Amen. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I'm reminded of, man, so much things right now, but... um, there's a guy, you know, I don't know if it was an airplane or a, it was shipwrecked, and he got stranded on the island, and and he's like, my whole life is falling apart, you know, and he had some food, and then it got rotten, and an animal came took it, and there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened, but he finally built this huge hut, you know, out of all these tree bushes and stuff, and he had a nice hut, and he's like, okay, finally something good in my life, because it's raining out, and, and then all of a sudden he's sleeping, and then, you know, his little candle tips over, and... And then uh, the whole thing lights on fire and he jumps out and he's like, he thinks it's the end of the world. Because, oh, you know, the last thing that I had good for me, everything was just ripped out of my hands. And what do you know? It was a smoke signal. It was perfect, and he came and got rescued. And And I think of the same thing in our own lives right now. We might be like, the whole world, ah, everything's falling apart. This happened, and this happened, and this happened. But really, God is orchestrating it. He's using it. For his will, for his plans, for his purposes. Not your plans, right? But God, I, I have a better idea. There's something called a Powerball, Lord. You know, it's that nice house over there, fast car over there. You know, I got better plans, Lord, than, uh, you know, not having a house and being on the street. I mean, that's not your plan. Surely it's not, right? But what if it is? Are you willing to, to go where God has called you to? and it, 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 I hope it is, Romans eleven thirty four says, for who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor, not us, right, uh, so the reason we need God's energy is to do his will, but second, the second aspect is that is uh, to do, to do, look at the end of verse 13, to do uh, notice it's an interesting word because it's the exact same word as the word uh, works so in the greek it's the same word for in our english translation of energy so god empowers us to be powerful in that sense he's the one enabling us to do what he's called us to do and 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 that becomes pretty significant because if it's not god who is working in and through us then it's the work of the flesh And and we all have a choice to make. We could work in our own power, our own strength, and and try to get the the work done for God, because we know God's calling on our life. God, I know you called me to go here, so I'm going to go and make it happen for you. Or we could back off and say, Lord, I know that's your calling, and I'm just going to wait for you to, you know, do that work in and through my life. I'll, I'll, I'll go here. He'll, he'll take you one step at a time, right? The Bible says in Zechariah four six, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That means you back off, and it's all His work, right? And then in the end, who gets the glory? God does. He gets the glory. So, uh, and I think that's amazing. So it's God's work in us, enabling us, empowering us to do His work by His Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves of anything, or to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So we got it all, church. You know? No wonder Paul says in, in uh, Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Right? In the Lord Jesus Christ. But note carefully at the end of verse 13 of, of Philippians, uh, it's, it's all for His good pleasure. For His good purpose, you know? And, and, uh, it has nothing to do with us. Amen. There we go. Somebody's awake. Okay, and then the point is, no matter what we're doing, or how we're doing it, may, may we bring glory to God. That's all that matters. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31, um, somewhere, oh, maybe I didn't put it, oh yeah, there is. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, Let's come to the fourth and last, or almost last thing. It involves their character. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom also you shine as lights in the world. So, Uh, Drop down to the end of verse 15. Notice it says, You shine as lights in the world. And and their Christian character was such a way that they were shining as lights in this dark world. And, And I think we can all agree that this world is pretty dark. Amen right? It's lawlessness is abounding. There's just so much going on in our world where you watch the news and if you're like me, I just got to turn it off right away. (laughs) But that's the world we live in. And it's sad. In fact, in verse 15, Paul calls it a crooked and perverse generation. And it's speaking of that, which is dark, but you and I as Christians, we ought to be shining lights in this world, in Christ Jesus. So, and that's the example that these Philippians, the the church of Philippi, uh, Philippi, that's the example that they set for you and I, and that's the exact same desire that God wants in our own life. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then the next, in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that uh, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Paul mentioned that in Ephesians 5:8, "For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light." And I guess the question for each and every one of us today is, you know, are are you are are you shining bright in the, in, in this dark? World, right? And and when people see us, do they do they see something different in you? Or or is it a common thing for you to go to work around the world? And and you're always hearing they're like, "Man, you're so weird." (laughs) What's What's, you know, or they, oh, they'll come to you and be like, what does the Bible have to say, right? Or, oh, watch out, here comes the Holy One, or here comes Mr. Know-it-all, or, you know, they they, they say these things, but there's that conviction in their hearts because they know who you are. They know who you stand for. Um, and, and when it comes to the, the when there's an emergency or something happening, guess who they're going to call on for prayer? They're going to call on you, you got ridiculed and joked on and beat up for all those that time, and then when it really comes down to it, when there's a flood, a hurricane, a disaster, or something, a fire, a shooting, guess who they come to now, right? Because how? Why is that? They recognize that you are a shining light. That you know Christ. You know the answer. Not that they know your brain and your knowledge and who you are. Well, let me show you. Right? But, but you can lead them to Christ. That's what John the Baptist did. He said, go to Jesus. That's our job. Oh, you got, what's your problem? Oh, go, go to Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. That's, that's my job is pretty easy. They, you know, people are talking about, well, here's what the word says. And, well, what, what do you say? Well, who cares what I say? What, what does the word say, right? So that's all that matters. Um, anyways, if we're shining as lights, Paul mentions four things for you and I today that in, in, we can see in our lives. Uh, in verse 14, number one, we do not murmur, right? In verse 14, the beginning, murmur speaks of that low, under the breath, uh grumbling or griping, you know, kind of you're walking in the hallway and someone's all what what was that oh oh nothing that was uh nothing right that's that's the murmuring oh <laughs> There's onions and garlic back in Egypt, guys. Why are we out here in the desert, right? Like the children of Israel. They were murmuring out there in the desert. Are you serious? You got, you got heavenly food coming down every day. You know, and they were still murmuring and complaining. You guys have been blessed with so much here in America. And yet we still, but, but God, uh, right? Not no other churches, sorry. <laughs> Don't beat me up, guys let's go to the next one when we don't di- dispute we don't dispute Look, notice the, the the end right there means uh, to negatively criticize or or negatively question or negatively um Argue. And obviously, we, we can uh, have constructive criticism. We can ask questions. We can, you know, dialogue with other people as believers. But the thing is, when we do, we do it in a manner of love, right? It's in the manner out of our hearts and uh, to, with the right motive, I should say. So, uh, third, we, we will be blameless and without faults. Notice in verse 15, the word blameless and without faults. Uh, both of these words carry the same meaning in the Greek: being blameless and without faults. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we are perfect, by the way, um, but it does mean when we, when people charge us with something, it's not going to stand, right? When they accuse us of things, and they will. It it has nothing. There's no substance to it right and 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 therefore it doesn't stick in that sense. So as a Christian, the world they're going to say a lot of bad stuff, and they do, right? obviously they do. They're going to say all this stuff. they the world hates us, right there's there's enmity before God, and it, they see God, the nature of God in you. and so right away, there's this, whereas before, Just a week ago, your best friend was your brother or your sister or your your best friend, right? And you guys got along all your life and joked around about everything in life. And you guys saw eye to eye on everything. And then you came to church, you gave your life to the Lord. And within a a day, right, you come and hang out with that person the same like you've always done all your life. And all of a sudden, there's this. There's tension, and now they're against you, and you're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you so against me? Don't see it so, you know, it's obvious. You're a new nature, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old man's gone, he's dead, he's gone, right? You're alive in Christ now. They're fighting against the nature of Christ. They make war against Christ without realizing it. They're lost. They're deceived. And that's why we. it's important now that we share the gospel with them and we share the word with them because that's the word, the light. So anyways, um, where are we at? Okay, so let's come to the next one. We are harmless. Notice there in verse 15, the word harmless... I'm not going to pronounce it in the Greek, but it's only used three times in the New Testament. It means on mixed, not mixed together with the other things. Here's the idea of being pure. And so being harmless is we, we haven't mixed our lives With the things of this world, with the people of this world. And, and just because we work in the world and we, you know, we have the things of the world, doesn't mean the things of the world have us, right? It doesn't mean that we are caught up in the things of the world. We're just, we're occupying till the Lord comes. We're being faithful to what He's given us. And, and, uh, so we're not, the world is not a part of our lives in a sense, right? We're not of it. God said to be holy. It's a command. It means to be set apart. We're set apart from the world right and and uh in fact 2 Corinthians 6:17 says come out from among them be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you remember it's not you know can i do this or can i do that the question is you know should i do this or should i do that you know the so consider that let's go to the next one is their faithfulness notice in verse 16 it says holding fast The word of life. Uh, That word holding fast means to hold out or hold forth or to or uh offer to others. And we might say giving forth, right? So what, what 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 were they giving forth? What were they handing out? According to verse 16, it was the word of life. They were sharing the gospel every day. And and the word of life is not a what, but a who, right? Where it says the word of life. It's speaking of Jesus Christ. It's pointing and speaking of Christ. In fact, John 1 14 says and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten uh, of the Father, full of grace and truth. In fact, in John 10 10, 10, it says, The thief does not come to steal. Uh, but to still kill and destroy, but I Jesus says have come that they might have life, and they they may have it more abundantly, so Jesus is the Word of life made flesh, He is God Almighty, come in the flesh and in john fourteen six Jesus even made the claim, I am the life <laughs> there's no other way to the kingdom of God, but through me, he says so um are you sure? Paul's talking about this as well. Uh, uh, Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ. Um, in fact, in 1 John 1 1, um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, John says, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So it's the same terminology there. So clearly they were giving out Jesus, and it speaks of their faithfulness. The verb indicates, um, a continual repetitive action here. So they were constantly giving out the word of life, the word of God. They're giving out the gospel. They're sharing their faith, we might say. And in verse 16, look at the end of verse 16. Um, it says, So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may uh, I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So, uh, Paul wanted to make sure his life counted for something, right? Paul knew that the Philippians would be caught up in the clouds with the Lord one day. And, and he knew, hey guys, give the word of God. You know, continue Continue to give out the word of God. It's just, it's an encouragement altogether. Look, look at the next one here. Look at this. look at their rejoicing. They're rejoicing. Look at verses 17 and 18, and we'll end with these. It says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So Paul is talking about this drink offering. Uh, if I am being poured out as a drink offering. Interesting. That little preposition, if is in the first class condition. In our English, we would say, since and in fact, right? It is so. I am being poured out as a drink offering. So this speaks of Paul's death. Currently, when he was writing this there in prison, he, he knew he was going to die. He was at the end of his rope, we might say, there in Rome. And, and he was nearing uh, death. So he's likening his his life um as a picture of Exodus chapter twenty nine, when the priest would, you know, they, they would go before the altar, you know, somebody would bring in the meat, you know, and, and they would you know, the worshipper. Whatever meat it may be. And and the, they would give it to the priest. The priest would lay it down there on the altar. And you know, the fire's, you know, it's a barbecue, right? You guys hungry yet? Hey, uh, nice. Uh, it's a barbecue. It's a burnt offering onto the Lord. But what the priest would do is he would have a cup of wine. And he would go and pour that cup of wine there on the meat, the 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 offering. So in other words, it was a drink offering. And what would happen with the fire underneath is like any like you do today, right? You're still doing right and it just it just goes up into the heavens and the israelites would see that and they would know that there it's it's a it's a symbolic a picture of worship their worship is going up before the lord their their uh Yeah, it's like a sweet incense to the Lord. It was like worship to the Lord. So notice Paul's pouring out his life for their faith, though. Notice it says in verse 16, Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. It deals with the sacrifice of their faith. Remember, this whole context is about serving with joy. So, remember, uh, and Paul approves their life of faith, basically, here, too. The example is for us today, are we pouring our lives out to those around us? Are we pouring our lives out before the Lord as a drink offering? Are you in Romans chapter twelve, one and two, a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto God? it's your reasonable act of service. Another translation says it's your, it's your act of worship unto the Lord. You know, are you worshiping the Lord with the life that He's given you? Or, are you not? Um, are, are we, are we giving the Word of God out? Are we telling people about Jesus? Are we in the end times, guys? I think we are. And, and I think the, the, the clock is ticking. And, and we're coming to an end, not for our own end, but really our beginning in a sense, right? Our life began at the day we were born again, but, we're going to be together with the Lord and that's good and great for us, but consider those on the earth, man. Consider those who don't know Christ. Consider where they're going to go. And I pray that the Lord breaks us, you know, as a church that we would reach out to those around us. And I know we are, you know, we, we're, I see you guys. So I go downtown and I'm walking around. You know, with my Bible, and I look across and I see other people with the Bible, and I'm like, "Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's get 'em, right? It's just my journaling kicks. That's my gift. I got a gift. I love giving the gospel. So forgive me if I give it too much, but I it just gotta, right? But it's it's a good thing. We we gotta give Jesus, and really, it's a simple. It's a simple gospel, right? We just tell people, hey, Jesus loves you, man. He died on the cross for your sins. He, he was buried. He was, he rose again the third day. He's alive, right? All that he wants to have a relationship with you. Have you ever questioned at night? Do you cry in tears thinking this is all that we have in life? I was like, you know, if so, then, you know, God wants to have a relationship with you. And he's demonstrated that enough, I think. What does God have to do? Does God have to come to this world? Does he have to live among us? Does he have to get beaten up? Does he have to get, you know, tortured and persecuted? Does he have to get thrown up on a cross in order for you to give your faith to the Lord? To give your heart to the Lord? Because he's done it. What does he got to do? What else has he got to do for you to wake up and and for you to realize what Christ has done for you, that you might live for Him, that you might surrender your life for, to Him. There's too much churchianity today, and, and seriously, it's, everybody wants to come and play church. And, and they love Christianity. They love the fellowship of other believers. They love the, the, you know, the interactions. And they love the feel good, mushy feeling, you know, sometimes you get. But, but, uh, but they don't know Christ. They're far from Christ. And they sit among us. There's some of you today that don't know Christ. You're here in church. And I would just encourage you guys, look to Jesus. He's calling you. Maybe tonight or today or even this morning, you, you can pray and just be like, Lord, that crazy guy that was there up that pulpit, if he's telling the truth about you, Lord, you know, you really did die on the cross for my sins. You really did. You know, you were buried. You, you rose again the third day. And you want to have a relationship with me. I want that. And, and and just pray and tell the Lord, hey, Lord, you know, I recognize my sin has separated me from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me of my, my sins. I turn from my ways and I, I pray that you would strengthen me. You would give me that grace that I need to live for you. And guess what's going to happen? there's going to be a big change in your life. God's going to start doing something in you where you're going to be like, whoa, right? <laughs> right? Whoa, something just happened. My eyes, I can see, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, how come nobody told me? They're going to go to the other Christians and they're going to shake them. How come you didn't tell me before? Right, and uh, it's it's going to be an amazing time, and there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulation coming your way. Right, you got to count the costs. There's some called spiritual warfare coming around as well. All of a sudden, your whole life's going to be falling apart because God needs to. He can't use somebody unless they're they're if they're all whole and unbruised and unbroken. It's pretty hard to use, but he uses the broken. He uses the contrite. Those who are uh, broken in, in, in uh You know, they want to know his truth. They humble themselves, right? But if you're prideful and you're all about, well, I just don't, I think, I think, I believe. Well, that's fairy tale made ups. Is there a huge pink elephant in the room right here, guys? Do you guys see this? Because I believe there's a big pink elephant you guys see it? You're crazy, man. You, No, you're crazy if you're the one saying, well, I believe I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Right? I believe because, because, because. But what about what does the Word of God say? And are you falling back on what the Word of God says? So I would just challenge you guys with that. You know, consider what the Word of God says. And if you're a believer... Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in the end. That they would, they would just crave Jesus when they're around you. They would say, Hey, tell me about Jesus, right? I love that. So amazing. So may you guys go out today and just be, be blessed. Consider God's word and, and the, the works that he has in store for you. But you can rob them if you're not getting in the word of God, you know. So read the word of God daily, pray daily. And, uh, just consider Jesus daily, you know? Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that, uh, you're able to do a work. And, um, yeah, stand up if you guys want. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Lord, thank you so much that you're full of grace, Lord, and you know we need it. I and, mean, uh, we need your truth. We need, we need to know you, Lord. And so I ask that you would, uh, impart to us your truth, Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would truly repent of their sins, that they would look to the cross, that they would look and know, Lord, that your blood shed for them uh, is enough. Lord, it's sufficient, and we in and of ourselves are not sufficient in and of our own good works or anything of us. I pray, God, that you would just break those people down, Lord. If there's anybody in here that they would give their lives to you, Lord, and surrender their lives to you. And I pray that you would do that work by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.